Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming to you from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. We have a wonderful guest today. We have Anna Maria Leonte. I believe that's how you say her last name. Uh, Anna is awesome. She was in The Force Awakens, so just, just let's get right to it. Holy shit, how cool is that? I mean, I got the chance to talk to someone who had a, a small part in one of the biggest movies ever made. And Anna is a wonderful human being, and you'll learn about how sh- her passion is b- besides theater and film is also tech and doing good for the world. She just um, I want to plug a charity that we talk about called Generation Success. Follow them on Twitter at underscore Gen Success. Make sure you also follow, follow Anna at Anna Maria Leonte, all one word. Also, if you just click the hashtag Dasha Permenti, because that's who she was in The Force Awakens, you'll find a lot of cool stuff. Um, so Anna's like, she's she's in it. She's in Star Wars. She's in the movie. She's in the universe. She has a name. Uh, she was one of the villagers in the opening scene. She's in the Star Wars uh, book where it has all the characters and a little bio about her. Uh, really just a wonderful episode. I This will not disappoint, especially if you saw the Star Wars films and you know stuff about it. It's I, it's great. You got to JJ, Adam Driver. Uh, all these great BB-8. I mean, God, imagine getting to see BB-8 in real life. Oh man, I couldn't. I couldn't. I don't know if I could do it. Um, I really like the Star Wars: Force Awakens. I saw it twice. I saw it once with my brother Aaron and my wife Victoria, and we had so much fun. And my brother turned to me after he goes, "Oh my God, when the next one comes out, we could take Ben to see it. Uh, see the next one." Uh, my nephew just turned two. Happy birthday, Benny! And uh, the next one will be in two years. He'll be four. And we already have a date to go see the next Star Wars when it comes out. Uh, Anna, she was she got to be a part of this movie for two weeks, and you'll hear all about it in the episode. So let's get to it about that. Uh, first off, I want to let you know I heard about I got connected with her. I want to shout out to the good folks at the Lost at Home podcast. Check them out, awesome dudes. Uh, they had her on, and that's kind of how we got connected through Twitter. Um, really just wonderful, wonderful podcast. I loved the Dan Harmon episode that I would listen to Anna's episode and then go back and find Dan Harmon, which is uh, quite the get. As always, we are part of the Misfits Podcast Network. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Atlas Trap Podcast. If you're on Twitter, also check out the hashtag Pottern Family. It is amazing if you don't know about it. It is what po- us little tiny people, uh, our sm- us small podcast people use to help get our, uh, Word out there, and it's a really wonderful community of people that's been doing a lot of great work. Uh, and you can just click the hashtag and poke around, you'll find some great shows. Like us on Facebook, and if you're so kind, leave us a five star iTunes review because that stuff is extremely helpful. Again, this is Anna Maria Leonti, I mean, Dasha Permenti from Star Wars The Force Awakens. If I sound excited, it is because I am. I've recorded this intro like six times, and I don't know if I could do it without being this excited. Uh, it's just nice when you get to meet someone who had a cool opportunity to be in Star Wars like Anna. And then they turn out to be awesome a human being. They work in tech. They work with charity. Uh, they want to do good for the world. And I feel like we've lined up completely on the same way politically. Please follow her on Twitter. Interact with her. She's so kind. And, uh, God, ask her on your podcast if you got one. Also, lastly, a shout-out to my good buddy Adrian King from Adrian Has Issues. Make sure you check out his show. He was going to guest host this episode. And I know he was really excited about it. And at the last minute, he had some life things he had to take care of. Do him a favor and make sure you check out his show. And uh, let's get to it. Remember, I've been the hard, the hard. You never thought that 
in the limelight Cause I rhyme tight Time to get paid Blow up like the world trade Born sinner The opposite of a winner Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner Peace to Raw G Brucey B Kid Capri Funk flat the flex Love bump star ski You have an interesting story Of how you ended you were born in Romania and got to London, if you'd like to do a quick recap. Yes, I mean, it was it's a long journey. I was born somewhere in the mountains in a very remote area. Then I got to leave home at the age of 14. And it's um, it sounds very much like a bit of a Star Wars story, you know, when you leave home and you're told, don't ever come. I will come, mother. I will come home. No, don't come home. Don't just go. <laughs> and then you go into 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 to conquer the world. And you know, um, but on a on a serious note, I left home. And you know, at the age of fourteen, I wasn't speaking English. I was uh, fluent in French and Italian because my mom was a a French teacher. Then um, I grew up with this, you know, with uh, Italian and French media as well. And I heard that there is this new language called English that lots of people, you know, they are fluent. And I said, you know what, I need to jump on this train as soon as possible because, you know, I feel it's going to, you know, be something big in my life. So I went to high school. I learned from a book on, you know, uh, and from I learned from a book, you know, the um, grammar, in, uh, the English grammar. And then I watched some cartoons, you know, on the diction and, you know, how to pronounce the words. And, you know, I passed an exam. I just, you know, literally took that exam. It was a bit tough for someone who hasn't been in contact or, in, you know, in direct contact with this language. But then I did, I made my best. Then I had, you know, teachers from um, from the U.S., um, Peace Corps volunteers. I had JJ and um, Sky. So I'm very thankful to, to their patients as well. And to, you know, um, they taught us uh, American uh, history and English literature, and I have to say I was the biggest fan of the English literature as well, which I really, really enjoyed it. This was with JJ. This is another JJ. It's not JJ Abrams. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a name that ends up being very prevalent in your life. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yes, JJ. Um, uh, and then, you know, um, I went on to university, and I started to work as um, a casting agent for uh, a modeling agency from Milano. And uh, they actually ended up proposing me to work on the commercial site with them, which, you know, it was more than a pleasure for me to do this. And then I took one year gap. I was involved actually in lots of international projects when I was at university. And we won, uh, we got to travel a lot. And then... There was this British Council project, Leap of Faith Together, that won uh, that I was part of, and it won one of um, it won the best award for a charity uh, international project, and we had to actually present it at the Youth International um, Summit at Civi in Glasgow, organized by Civicus. Civicus is another, you know, big uh, NGO. So I went there and then uh, I was invited to BBC World Have Your Say, which is a, a radio program. And we discussed, you know, um, lots of issues related to, you know, back then it was, I think Scotland had the referendum of on, you know, young people, if they should vote or not on, you know, international peace. So, you know, I got involved in the debate. It was really great 
to learn from people out there, you know, from young people your age, from other countries. We met young entrepreneurs from Africa, from Malawi, with whom I still keep in touch. And, you know, it's really beautiful to see young people doing so much for their community in, you know, in countries where you wouldn't think that this actually happens. But because it's so far away from you and also, you know, you don't have sometimes we lose the positive news about, you know, remoter areas just because perhaps sometimes media is not really interested in the positive side of our lives. And uh, That's fair. <laughs> well, <laughs> and uh, then, you know, I took one, um, I, I handed in my dissertation and then I took one uh, year gap between, you know, applying for a master's degree and that's when I joined the bubble theater and you know that's when my colleagues recommended me to apply for a short movie and I didn't know that I was actually auditioning for a role that required a very uh, specific type of British accent um, which I didn't have at the time I don't have now <laughs> and uh, I got rejected and I was this I was reading this book about you know how to be a good actress or a good actor and you know it was written there that actually this is an industry with a high rate of you know uh, rejection and you should be happy for having a um, a one to one with a director who actually takes the time to cast for your role um, and, you know, I went back, I sent them an email and I said, thank you very much for taking your time. And they came back to me and they said, you know what, you were the only one who responded positively, even though you were rejected. So why don't you tag along with us and see how we shoot the movie? And I was so happy. And I remember it was, you know, wow. I, I went with them. I met, they introduced me to the cast and everyone was so friendly and, you know, it was just great, you know, for, for, uh, a budding actor is just, you know, something that comes comes to reality. And uh, I remember after that, you know, two years passed almost. And out of a sudden, um, the main actor from this movie uh, sent me an email, uh, a message via Facebook. And he says, Anna Maria, they are looking for people with your skills and your looks. Why don't you see if we can get this? And he sends me the link with an application. I complete the application, you know. Um, his name was Jake Walters, and you know I'm very thankful to him because without him I would have never been here. Um, and I want you know to the to the casting, and I passed the casting with the agency. You wouldn't believe there were so many people auditioning for this. Um, later on, you know, once we got in the movie, I found out that for this small role as a villager in the movie, there were at least I think if I remember well, at least seventy two thousand people, which included oh my god. Which included fans as well. Yeah, so... 70,000 for the role you got? Yes. Well, it was for, for the villagers, not only my role. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. But still, that's... Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that, so how did they... Is that just like a cattle call kind of thing they do? Or was it more specific that you got into your audition? It was it was with an agency here in London, and uh, then they sent oh, to Pinewood Studios, where you actually had to wear the costume and the makeup as well. Um, at the time, I was still not aware that I'm, you know, auditioning for Star Wars, and I said, you know what? Can you? I asked the makeup artist, do do you know what movie is this? And she started smiling. She said, you will know sooner or later, but I'm not very loud to say anything. So you know, we all know that you know the secrecy behind this movie was really really high. And then yeah. they take pictures of you. And 
I'm still, you know, waiting for some sort of cue. What sort of movie is this? You know, it looked very cool because from what I saw from other villages, etc., it looked like, you know, it was some sort of movie that, you know, gave, it had some clues about, you know, this sort of, I thought at the beginning it must be a tribe or something uh, because the look is darker skin, light blue, green piercing eyes. There was lots of, you know, people from Spain, from Italy, um, interviewing for this role. And then I saw a stormtrooper and I realized I'm auditioning for Star Wars. Now, what is that moment in your head like? Like, how did you keep it cool? Because I I've, I, couldn't imagine being in that scenario and seeing a stormtrooper and keeping my keeping my act together because you're, you're a professional, obviously. So were you just uh, internally kind of like, oh, my God. You know what? Wow. Just let's say, Chris, I had the biggest emotional smile ever, and you had keep it in your soul. You show it on your face because you know it's a big. <laughs> I, I couldn't. Exactly, but people are happy, right? You shouldn't be crying. You should be smiling for this. <laughs> I, I one time met someone at a at a Comic Con. Someone like a fan had made and some group. They made a working R two D two. So it wasn't the one from the movie, but it was R two D two, and I. I was I was grinning ear to ear because it was just like oh my god this is so cool but oh my god to see someone walk out in a stormtrooper for auditioning for a movie and it be you know and Star Wars for before Star Wars the Force Awakens even came out it was one of the most talked about movies I mean the internet was going nuts for that thing but how how we, how many years were actually between you know the there were lots of years between actually the episode seven and episode six right so, yeah there's a lot. Yeah, so the audience has waited one. for a long time. 30 years, maybe? I think so. Almost a generation. Yeah, so yeah I mean, enough. Suspense being built here, and on the back of the suspense, you know, the, I think, but then again, it's Star Wars. Who doesn't talk about it? I remember, well, because when Disney, when Lucas sold to Disney, the first rumor was they might make some more Star Wars, and like, oh, that'd be cool. And when they said they were going to do it, everyone was, I was like, oh, that makes sense. So, I mean, it's been long enough where people who saw it in the, the theaters have had kids who've also had kids. Yes. You know, like my brother has a two-year-old, so when the next one comes out, he'll be four, and we'll be going to see it together. So it's it's been a while. Yes. I think it's it's 30 years in the making? Yeah. It's a long time. It's a very long yeah, time. And, and, and no one ever thought there would be another one after the prequels, just... I don't I don't follow it very well, but I think Lucas was just like we're done, which which sometimes I understand, but I I don't know I I don't I, someone out there listening probably knows more about the history of Star Wars than I do, so. Oh, well, you see, a lot of hope in this movie, and I think maybe you know perhaps Lucas decided to be done with the movie, but perhaps you know it was that energy that you know yeah. taken from from the fans, you know, and someone I don't know whom perhaps understood this, and they said you know what this is too big of an opportunity to just let die like this and we will take it further. So perhaps that's when Disney decided to step in and, you know, and, and work on it. Um, I, there is actually an interview with JJ and he says he was really, um, really happy to, you know, Lucas was very, very, he didn't interfere too much. He allowed, you know, JJ to, to craft his own story, which is amazing. And it's really beautiful as well, you know, because you see, you know, this Star Wars veteran that is actually, you know, allowing the new generation 
that JJ embodies very well to take the lead on this, you know, and give it now, give it to, to the other generation. I thought JJ was a great choice because I loved what he did with Star Trek because I wasn't someone who liked Star Trek, like the TV shows, but I love the movie. And I think that's what JJ does well is where he he puts in stuff for the, the true diehard fans and then also someone who's never saw one in their entire life can watch it. I think that's what he does really well because he is also a fan at the core. Like from what I've read about him, he's a he's a fan of Star Trek. He's a fan of Star Wars. He's a really obviously a very brilliant and creative guy. Yeah, actually, he said he was a he liked Star Trek and he was aware of it, uh, right? I mean, how can't you when when you are a movie director? You have to do to, to yeah. part of your job somehow. But he said. Star Wars was a different story for me because I actually grew up with it. It was, was part of my life. So I think the most difficult thing for him was to actually, you know, to distance a little bit himself and say, you know what, let's put this together and create something that is incredibly amazing and beautiful for old, you know, Star Wars fans and the new ones. Let's bring in, you know, the new audience, you know, and... I think this is something he, you know, successfully did. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And so the audition process, how secretive was it? Like, were you not even, when you left that day after seeing a stormtrooper, you probably weren't allowed to say a word to anyone. No, so the, from the moment I was actually uh, invited to, to, you know, by the agency, to be seen by the agency, till the moment I was, you know, told that I took the audition, it was written, you know, the agency made it very clear, you're not supposed to, you know, tell anyone about discussing. You're not supposed to, you know, keep it very secret. Don't share it online on any sort of social media channels or via email under any circumstances. And then once you're released for the scene in the movie, you will be assigned an NDA. And when, you know, you are on set, actually, you know, your phone is taken away from you. Um, you're not allowed to actually, from the moment the, the movie was shot at Pinus Studios, our scene. Our scene was shot at the Pinus Studios, which is a studio well known for, you know, um, this is the place where James Bond, the iconic British James Bond was shot. And from the moment you, you're not even allowed to take a picture of the set of, you know, or even tag yourself that you're in Pinus Studios. Oh, wow. Well, I guess not, it all makes sense to me, but that's, wow. But you can imagine, Chris, there are so many people who work, you know, it's not, it's JJ. And then there are also, you know, the teams that work on the costume, on makeup, on creating. That's a lot of people. Building. Yeah, on building up a story. Why would you want to ruin, you know, so many people's work? At the end of the day, you know, it's the beautiful, the most beautiful gift you're ever being given to be part of this journey. And if you're part of it, you know, embrace it and, you know, contribute to it in the, you know, in the best way you can. And I think, you know, everyone tried to do just that. And, and so for the people listening, I probably should have started this. Can you tell them what scene that you're in? So I know we keep referencing it, but, yeah. I, but they might not know. <laughs> and sure. your character has a name too, which I, which was really cool too. Yeah, so um, I am Dasha Promenti. Dasha Promenti is a character that is at the beginning, is one of the Jakku villagers. We are at the beginning of the, the movie uh, in the first scene. The scene is shot during, at the, during the night, so you can't really clearly see our faces. Dasha Promenti then is um, part of the group of villagers, then again in the movie, um, that, you know, when Lord Santeca is killed by Kylo Ren, but then... It, 
see my character is a bit enigmatic because you don't we don't really know has she died has she managed to escape we don't really know but then she appears also in the visual dictionary written by pablo hidalgo whom i like to call my father because he is my creative father he gave me the name oh, yeah. and then also how happy were you were when you learned to find out that you were in the book like was that a surprise to you oh i was i was at work i had, had no clue and then my colleagues uh uh May you know may the force be with them, um, Carol, Dawa, their uh, the Griffin brothers, uh, Rashid. They were some of the uh, villagers. They they sent me actually some of them tagged me on Facebook and one of them sent me a a message. Rashid he sent me a message saying, Anna Maria seems that one of us at least is gonna be famous. And I said, I mean why why what happened? He said you 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 are featured in the Visual Dictionary, which was, you know, you can imagine I was so happy. So, so happy. I mean, you're part of that universe forever. Where, whatever happened, you get to be part of the Star Wars universe. That's that's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, it's in print now, so... <laughs> yeah, I really good if you ever start a new job and they need, like, a fun fact about you, that's a good icebreaker. Oh, well. Uh, uh, I, I played a character that's part of Star Wars. <laughs> one of uh, our directors said, how would you just add it on LinkedIn? And they said, are you crazy? And he said, yes, it's the most loved movie ever. So you know what? I think uh, I'm quite lucky, you know, to combine creativity also, you know, doing some movies, some, um, some the commercial bit of it as well with some technology as well. Um, and I've been lucky enough so far to work with companies that have understood my need of nourishing both my intellect and my soul. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's great to actually be in this environment where, you know, your colleagues support you, your boss does support you. Then on the other side, your colleagues from the movie support you as well. And, you know, it's it's really beautiful indeed, because without, you know, the support, you can't make it on your own. No one makes it on their own Absolutely. life. And, and so that you're, I think I didn't mean to cut you up, but you're in the, the opening scene of the movie, which really just sets the tone. Um, I have to ask you, what was it like being around BB-8? I mean, of course, all the very famous people, but BB-8 is the one that strikes me the most. That I'd be, so, I don't know if I could handle seeing BB-8 and keep it together. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you uh, need BB-8 to, to give you an autograph as well. <laughs> oh, if I could have that high five scene with like John Bayoga did with BB-8, my life would be complete. Yeah, Try, please. I need to be auditioning for a pin's role. <laughs> yeah. Pin's backup guy. Yes, yeah. pin's backup. Um, we did. We weren't in the scene with uh, BB-8, so I think we we were at the very beginning with you know Lord Santeca, who's played by Max von Sydow, who is a very well known and very respected uh, actor here in Europe. Um, he played. He was the main actor in The Exorcist which was a movie that at the time when it went out, I was so, I saw some scenes and I was so scared and deeply, you know, you need to be, I don't know, you need to be mentally so strong to play the role he played in this movie. I, I one could not see it, but I, since then I was thinking he must be, you know, a very strong person to have done this because, you know, it's like, Psychologically, there is a lot of work for an actor, you know, to impersonate mm. this sort of character. Then we were also on the scene with Adam Driver, John Boyega, with Christine as well. And, you know, it's the way you see it in the movie is the way it happened in reality. I mean, 
you know, Adam Driver is such an imposing man sitting there next to you in this this costume. I mean, the costumes were just amazing. And then you have Christine oh, yeah. in the background. And, you know, it's this feeling of, um, you know, sadness. And it's very dramatic as well because it's this, you know, the movie actually had three main themes. One was the energy of every scene, you know. Um, JJ was very, uh, very keen on emphasizing this. Then you know you have this energy that goes from the from scene number one of the movie, then to the, up to the last scene, and then you know the movie is also very powerful visually speaking. Um, I think the main aim of this movie was to be understood, you know, across various you know cultures as well. So if you watch this movie in China or in India or let's say somewhere in Africa or even South uh, America. If you don't, if you happen not to speak English, though it's very rare nowadays, but perhaps it does happen sometimes, you, you know, turn it on mute or even listening to, you know, the the tone, the voice of the characters, you can understand what happens. It's emotionally very strong and it does impact you. And then the third theme, I think, is the nuance of the characters. So we have on one side, you know, the good side of the force. We have Laura Santeca and Poe. Then on the other side, we have the negative characters, Kylo Ren, Captain Pashma. And there they are individual characters. And then we have the groups. We have the villagers versus the stormtroopers as well. So, you know, the way these characters interact with each other actually reveals who these characters are. And this is actually something that happens from the beginning of the scene, which sets rightly, as you said, says the tone of the movie, Till the end. Um, and, you know, it's a privilege to be on set with these actors and learn from them as much as you can. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, and that, God, I'm so, I love that entire movie. Like I said, like that, I wasn't the biggest Star Wars fan in the world. Like, I, I like Star Wars. Uh, I remember driving to the theater and having to ask questions about what happened last one. <laughs> but what I thought was great about The Force Awakens was I, I saw it twice in theaters, loved it so much. That first scene captivated me, and the entire movie just moved so good from beat to beat to beat to beat. Like that movie starts, and then it's just over. And there's never a moment where I like I should get up and go to the bathroom. I, it's it's uh, I I feel that way about Guardians of the Galaxy, where it just starts and it's good scene after good scene after good scene after good scene, and then it just ends. And this the opening credits. Oh man, that, but that's such a powerful that's such a powerful moment because. I mean, there were lifelong fans. I actually saw this movie with someone I saw it with who was having a panic attack about what if it sucked. And uh, you know that opening scene happens when when and when it just starts with the villagers and Jakku, and there was like a sigh of relief in the theater, like okay, JJ got it right. Like immediately when that movie started, you could just tell. Yes. I mean, yes. When you were there for the couple of weeks, you got to be in that scene. Did you have an idea? I, I've never made a movie. I'm not part of that world by any means. So, like, can you tell if something is going to be good while it's happening, or is it just too fragmented? Uh, so when we were on set, it was amazing to see, you know, we had um, Amal. Amal is she's a movie director in Dubai, and she actually flew for this uh, role as well as a Jakku villager. Uh, she flew from Dubai here to London, which is amazing to see. Um, and, you know, there were various people in the movie, and then... There is, you know, we shot at a pine studio on a wide uh, open set, an open air set. And everything you see there seems quite real. So, you know, 
the set was really gorgeous. It was incredibly realistic. It felt like, you know, you're really on a different planet, Jakku, a desert mm -hmm. planet, you know, with a lot of sand and as the villagers. And then, you know, the funny thing is that I was born in a very green place with lush vegetation. So, you know, it was just a little bit sad for me that my character, Dasha Promenti, lived in such a barren place. But, you know, still the set designers, they did an amazing job, you know, um, even though, um, you know, if it was, it was deserted, but I think this was actually done with a purpose. So... Just let's imagine this, you know, if you take this scenario, let's have, you know, uh, situation A is situation B. We had, you know, the scene where the Jakku villagers were in this, you know, deserted, on this deserted planet. And if, let's say, we were on a green planet, lots of things to focus on, you know, visually for you as the viewer, then actually when Lord Santeca was killed, you wouldn't be able to focus on, you know, it wouldn't be that dramatic. So I think JJ did an amazing yeah. job because when the villagers are killed, you as a viewer, your eyes are focused on those particular moments, on those particular, you know, feelings that we as a group feel versus the stormtroopers who are cold-blooded. And, you know, there is Poe as well there. There is Lo Santeca who is, you know, um, being killed. And it's it really conveys that sort of you know dramatic dramatism and um, and sadness and it's the scene was almost apocalyptic. I mean JJ came to us and he briefed um, us on how to to react. He told us what is going to happen um, that you know you are going to to be killed and um, you are a family. You know just you know imagine this in real life. How would you behave? And, you know, it was very generous, actually, of JJ, too. I've heard stories of him, you know, talking with um, with the other characters, you know, um, uh, and asking them, so what do you think about this? Um, what would you do? What would you do? I think um, Adam Driver or John Boyega, some of them were, were, ask, uh, were asked for their input, which is very generous for a movie director, you know, to ask the main characters to come with their own experience as well, because it makes you, it makes you, it makes you give even more, which is truly mm -hmm. amazing. Um, from what I understood, we didn't know too much about what is going to happen next in the movie, as you know, as you've heard, it, the secrecy of this movie was really high, which I think it was a good thing, honestly. They were actually. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've heard, there were actually some leaked pictures as well in Dubai. So um, it's understandable, you know, how you're on the scene for this movie. And you know what? You're, you should feel so privileged to be part of the team. I mean, why would you want to reveal anything? At the end of the day, you know, if you truly love the cinema, you understand this. And being there, you just want to do your best to convey the story and to create a, a story for, for the fans, you know, to leave and to be inspired. And, you know, you need to do your best at the end of the day to work with a team to do just that. So I think everyone tried to achieve that. I didn't know about the leak stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's too bad. But people were really, I don't know what, I mean, I don't, I don't like to be surprised. I like to be surprised, but people really try to, like, get secrets out of all that stuff. And I don't know where that comes with people, but... Um, I think it, hap it happened in Dubai. It didn't happen in London. 
fortunate. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, they filmed that movie all over the world, to my understanding. Sorry? This is, they filmed Star Wars in lots of different locations, to my yeah. understanding. I think they did. Dubai, London. I don't know if they did anything over in the States or not, but man. I don't uh, think in the States. I think that's why they moved it to London. Uh, I think yeah, that's probably smart. <laughs> and, and they made that really great choice of doing uh, puppetry again instead of CGI, which I thought mm-hmm. that really holds up. I'm a huge Henson fan, so I, I yeah. thought that was really uh, a good choice. What was, um, what was the experience like getting to have those really probably really cool, surreal two weeks, but then not being able to talk about it with anybody? Oh, you know what? Um, it wasn't. It was somehow difficult, but not really difficult. I didn't tell my parents uh, for two reasons. Once, even if you tell your parents, because at the end of the day, sometimes you know they are worried for you because they contact you, and when you're on set, your phone is taken away from you. But I told them, look, I'm shooting for a movie. I'm not allowed to tell you the name of the movie. And even if I told you, you wouldn't know because they didn't grow up with the movie. So I told them, you know, just I'm safe. Let's put it this way. I'm safe. Trust me and everything will be fine. And they trusted me. And I revealed them uh, this year when, you know, the book came out in the movie and they were happy with it. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're not... You don't, even in real life, when you have your own personal project, you don't share it with the entire world until you actually see it, you know, come to fruition and share the fruits of your work. Because otherwise it doesn't make sense. I'm a true believer that, you know, the more, if you're involved in a project and the more you share your ideas with people before actually uh, bringing that project to to its end and seeing, you know, the, the objecti- objectives being achieved, you are more likely actually to be, you know, a bit lazy, a bit underachieving. So I I quite understand why the secrecy, but then, you know, we also signed an NDA as well. So, yeah, you know, yeah. there is a, a moral obligation and a legal obligation. Um, and what is the punishment, not for you specifically, but if someone breaks an NDA, typically uh, what happens? Is it just like a fine of like, is that how film works? I don't know. I didn't even dare to think about that. <laughs> yeah. I don't That's know. Uh, what was the, uh, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. So what was the atmosphere on the, the set? Like, I, I assume they don't film these things chronolo- chronologically, so that was probably not their first filming of that, that I, the scene I, they film. Yes, we, we don't we didn't know at the time too much. They weren't allowed to speak too much about it, just as we weren't allowed to speak too much about our scene to other people. But you know, there were some funny moments as well about uh so Dasha Promenti has this uh, pistol. Um when we were given the guns, there were lots of guns there and I chose a blaster um, a rifle, sorry. I chose a rifle, which is this long, bean, big uh, sort of gun. And um, I had difficulties because it was so long, actually. It was more than one meter long, if I remember well. And then you, wow. need, you need to... We have the scene where we, the villagers, we look in the distance um, and we see the stormtroopers, you know, we see the ships uh, landing on the ground. And we actually need to go back to the village and announce the villages that we are being invaded. And when I did that, I actually had difficulty at carrying this um, this this gun. And the manager of you know this sort this gun compartment, he came to me and he handed me the 
pistol, the blaster pistol. He said, take this, it suits you much better. And you know what, Chris, I was really happy. And, uh, but you know, it came out really well because without that pistol, there would be no Dasha Promente now. So it was, it, oh, yeah. it was a very fortunate scene for me. And then also at the beginning of the scene, um, there is, um, when we need to run, my dress was far longer than, you know, my height. So I said, okay, I'm going to make it. There is no problem there. But I kept, you know, getting tangled in it and falling the first time, the second time. And then, you know, the, the crew was very kind and very attentive to our needs. And they were coming and asking me, are you okay? So we were, you know, on the point where they had to come with the scissors and actually cut my dress so I can, you know, run without any problem on, on stage. And, uh, you know, there's small small moments that are funny sometimes that you share with your villagers. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just beautiful to be there. And you see this, you know, they brought us together from so many various countries. They were, you know, people, as I said before, from, uh, from, from Spain, from Italy, uh, from even the Caribbean area. Um, it was a very mixed group as well. Um, so, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, no one got hurt. Um, there was a lot of sand on the ground and it was actually a lot of fun, even even when you fell. Yeah, it was really, really cool. And then, Do you keep yeah. in touch with any of your villagers, friends? Yeah, yes, of course. We do have a group and that's, uh, that's how we keep in touch. Some of us, you know, we work together and we're going to attend conventions this year. We're going to give our autographs. So, you know, we are a very tight-knit family. So it's really beautiful. Oh, to that's see. so cool. Yeah, we were, I mean... I think it's very, I would like, you know, if you allow me this opportunity, you know, um, there was, there were lots of villages out there. And I think, you know, it was, it's important because we were part of the same group. And then, you know, their work is as important as the work of those people who are featured in the movie or featured in the visual dictionary. So we had, you know, uh, the Griffin brothers uh, that, you know, I'm not sure, I don't know too much about them, but I'm not sure, I don't think they did anything related to acting, but they had, you know, the villager look and they were on set with us. Then there was, you know, Dawama, who was a, a model as well. Um, then there was Carrot Steele, who did lots of, you know, she, she worked a lot as a supporting actress as well. And... Uh, then there was Aaron, who was a stormtrooper, and Sandeep. And actually, it was cool to see. I've heard it was for the first time when they had two uh, stormtrooper girls as well. So, oh, that's really cool. Oh, I think that was a big... Uh, there was some outcry on the internet because of that. Um, very small. You know, I'm sure you read when the movie was coming out, there was always the, the backlash because Finn was uh, a black stormtrooper, and there's those shitty people out there. But there's another one that well, someone know, had told me about that. Get into this conversation. It's really, it's irrelevant for the real Star Wars community. It's indeed irrelevant. If you are a true Star Wars, you know, supporter, you do wish to share this with other people as well. It's not a selfish type of movie. It's a family-oriented movie. It's about real friendship. And real friendship doesn't have a border, doesn't care about the color of skin, you know, religion or whatever other backgrounds. It's there for people to enjoy it. And, you know, it's it's about this force that exists, you know, among us people. We are on the same planet, so, you know, let's enjoy the journey. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I couldn't agree more. Uh, 
there, I, the thing I really I loved about that movie was uh, people are always. It was just funny that it's. It, I believe it is the highest grossing film of all time. I think so. Yes, it is. Or it was tied. I think it finally got that record. And um, at least in uh, the Hollywood always says that you know you can't have a a non-white male lead. And here, Star Wars: The Fork Awakens has Finn, who's black, and Ray, who's a woman, and highest grossing movie ever. Which you know, that just I makes think, the, I, the yeah. greatest statement. I think, Chris, we should, uh, we need to see more of these examples in the movie industry because it reflects oh, real life. More. And at the end of the day, you know, they are so. I work at the moment. Um, I am volunteering for a charity called Generation Success here in London, and so. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So what this this uh, um, uh, charity do? What they bridge the gap between young professionals and more senior professionals. So we are looking to. Uh, for mentors for these young professionals and also to for these young professionals to become mentors themselves and teach you know and bring up you know on the professional level other uh, other uh, young people as well men and women together and um, you know it's a very mixed uh, mixed community as well some come from back, uh, ethnic backgrounds but there is real talent there and some of them work for some of the biggest prominent you know financial groups um media groups as well they're intelligent healthy people and i don't see why not you know it doesn't it doesn't have to be you know we don't we shouldn't look at the color of the skin at the end of the day if you have the talent you know give it a chance uh, I, I'm not sure if you follow the Oscars, but that's kind of a big thing now in the states. I've with seen there it, was I've no, seen it. yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, and I mean, how I won't even want to get into it that much because it's not even that's not my forte. But it was just more of the ugh again. Come I don't. To be very honest with you, Chris, I didn't follow the Oscars this year. I like to read the because of the time difference. You can imagine it's very late for people here in London. Oh yeah, yeah, it, that's like, not my one. Yeah, some people like to just you know. Uh, to, to watch the to watch TV and see it, but I think when if it I'm not sure I think if it happens during the week or even during the weekend, I'm let's just say I prefer to go to sleep and you know <laughs> relax myself and then I read the review and I see you know the most important parts of it. Um, not the same way. Like this, I'm I'm not and I've just seen you know um, I've seen it on Twitter as well and I read so I'm not really I don't think I'm the I'm, I don't have so much knowledge about it as to give you my opinion on it. Yeah. I mean, I, the thing I like this, I would love to see is more diversity, especially in film and everything. Which, um, so the, the charity you were referring to, how did how does uh, how did you fall into that? But you know what? That we exactly that. Thank you for the question because that's exactly what I wanted to say. The lack of diversity is not only a problem in the movie industry, it's a problem in, in, you know, in so many other industries, in the tech industry, in the financial industry. I work in financial technology, which abbreviated, we call it fintech um, here in London. And there's a huge disparity between the number of men, of women versus the number of men. Now, you can imagine, right, as I don't have, you know, any, you know, I don't have anything against men who make it and succeeded, but, you know, the number of women who make it and succeeded are far, far, is far, far smaller. So, you know, when there are media companies that you see the boss is a guy and then the director, co-director is another guy and the rest of the team is all women. That is not an accident. And no, that's no, absolutely not. Point. So we're trying to exactly, you know, bridge this gap 
but not only so when you're thinking about diversity it's not only men versus women it's also you know um the bringing more ethnic you know color to to this to the to the world and sometimes it works sometimes you know it's far more difficult but i think you know things are uh changing and you know there are lots of young people here in britain as well that have so much talent and i think corporations here in london they should you know tap into their talent and use it a bit more because it's to the good of their own success and of the success of the future generations because you have to think like this is the same you know as anything in life if you invest in youth you will truly be successful in the future because then who will take care of you who will pay your pension in the future is the millennial mm-hmm. generation and then we seeing that you know um senior people now you know they trust us more they give us more you know um more voice then we will do the same for the the, the next generation that the, the 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 generation that comes you know um so it's a give and take always it's not something stagnant per se so we'll we have an event um uh women in tech and um here in london in june we have women in technology as well in on the 8th of march i'm not sure if you celebrate uh, this uh, we call it the international women's day on the 8th of march and last year i was actually involved with google we did an event at the google headquarters here in london and it was a google hackathon for girls so we had girls from um schools in london and you know they were involved they were uh, put in groups they came i think they were aged from the age of 7 years old up to the age of 14 years year old and we put them in groups and they had to deliver projects and it was amazing to see this really young people you know talking about apps talking about how they will encourage other kids to uh you know love mathematics which sometimes it's uh, an issue you know in schools we do oh, oh god yeah so yeah it's it's it can be fun you know if you think creatively about it but then creativity doesn't come from only one place that's the thing and you need to be open to it a good as having dinner with a friend of mine who's a math teacher and uh in high school and there's sometimes he was telling me how there's like You know kids always say like and he even was telling me he's like I can understand when kids just say I don't do math. I don't like math. It's hard. But he's saying he's got some colleagues like teachers who say that oh math I I don't I don't do math. So his new joke to his students is I don't do reading. I don't do English to show how preposterous it is. Preposterous to say I don't do math is. It's like even if you're not an engineer, you use basic math on the day-to-day basis. It's the language it's an international it, uh, so much fun. It's <laughs> so funny. Um But that charity, I'm I'm really interested in that. I know there's um we have Silicon Valley out in the the states. You know, the, I know I work for a Silicon Valley company. <laughs> oh yeah, and it's and I've read I have a cousin who works out in it, and she's like one of the only women, and it's a very male-driven industry, which I know there's, I don't I hope I know I think it's going to take a generation of. Uh, things like uh educating and encouraging women to go into the sciences because that honestly that just wasn't the case women well, were not being groomed to go into our sciences as much as they should have been uh, that, a lot of yeah, that, I think that's one side of the coin but then on the beautiful side on the bright side of this I'm very lucky to have a woman boss you know here in the UK oh wow 
She's a yeah. British. Uh, um, she's she was born here in the UK. She is British and she is just amazing. She's our directors of sales, Catherine Heike, Heike, and uh, she she has just been great. She's really supportive, and I think we need more women like her. Uh, I'm not sure you know what is the situation in the states. Um, I read sometimes you know technology related magazines with what happens there, and there are some you know true examples to follow. Um, and, you know, I try to stay in touch. There are events here in London. I think things are actually moving. We have, you know, Google. Um, I have some friends there who, you know, we organize events with them. Then um, for women, then there are women in payments as well. Then, you know, at work, I'm lucky to be. So sometimes, you know, it's the environment where you are, because if you're, it gives you the amount of energy, you know, to strive for better and encourage other people as well. And then there is, you know, generation success. And when I was younger, I was involved also with Elevation Networks, which is another charity um, that bridges the gap between, you know, students who finish their university and companies. So it gives them a chance to go to an internship and, you know, it allows them to um, to to have that chance to 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 have their say in a company and get a job eventually, which is really great. And, you know, I think I'm a bit I've been I've become a bit dependent on uh, you know, uh, helping a charity now because uh, I, I truly enjoy it. And, you know, it's so much reward um, when you do things like this. So um, I hope, you know, we will be able to mentor more young people this year. Yeah, I work for nonprofits for a number of years. It's, it is a very fulfilling experience when you get to do something that actually propels the world. And, and your job was cool when you said, I need to go film a film. Um, I got this offer to go and be in a movie but I can't tell you what it is. Uh, yes, I mean, uh, my... That's, that's, that's nice. It, I, I was lucky because, you know, I was working very closely to our CEO and he would often take me, you know, um, we sold at the time, so it was a startup, uh, you know, created here in London. We worked, you know, with the media, the Telegraph Media Group um, and some newspapers and media companies in the US, South, um, South Africa as well. And... He trusted me because, you know, I would go with him to meetings. He would teach me about the technology because at the time there was no um, external resources for me to learn about, you know, the technology. And then if you don't understand, this is, I think, is the most important thing for whoever works for a tech company. If you don't understand the technology, then you can't do your work as a sales. Then you can't do your work as a marketing person. Then you can't do your work, you know, when you present the product to someone, it's just impossible. So get the technology right, and then you can do the other things as well. So I think that's crucial. And I was, you know, I'm very thankful to them. And I would like to say thank you very much to Nina Jess, who was my boss. She was head of events at BT. BT is a big company here in London. And, um, you know, I it's, it's good in life. I'm a true believer that, you know, you need good mentors. And, you know, now I am with uh, Sylvia Young Theatre, um, so I'm taking, you know, I'm doing some 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 work with them. Um, and, you know, I hope I will continue to have good mentors in life. That is very important, especially when you leave home at a very early age. It's it's a must. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I know we're going to start wrapping it up, uh, but mm -hmm. I did want to ask you, because uh, you, you worked in tech, you work in tech, and uh, are you optimi optimistic for our future with tech, our relationship with technology? Because I've noticed... People like to go one or two ways. It's either the robot overlords are going to throw us all away, 
Uh, I personally am not one of those people. I'm, I'm more of an optimist when it comes to technology. I'm a fan of technology. Look, I'm curious of your viewpoint. Yeah, technology per se doesn't can't take left or right, right? It's like, you know, um, I think there is that poem, um, Taken the Untaken Road, the, the road divergent in two. You take left Oh, or- yes, the Robert Frost poem, yeah, yeah. Exactly, and technology can't decide to take left or right. It's people who manage this. So either it's a positive way or a negative way, we're the ones behind this decision. And you mm-hmm. know what? There are people who work, you know, for their own sole purpose, which is, you know, the negative side. And people who work towards, you know, the overall purpose, you know. I think sometimes we forget that in order to see and to come, to to do something good in, you know, society, to people around us, there needs more work. And it's not a short-term success we see. It's a long-term success. And unfortunately, I'm not sure how many of these companies see and understand that that's where we fail but i have faith that things will change because you know there is great technology out there who you know have uh, has changed our lives i mean i'm very thankful for the roomba robots because to be honest i hate vacuuming and i mean if i don't do it someone else will have to do it but at least it saves Mm. time so you know people can focus on creative things um you know there is this question so in, in the banking industry as well and, you know, in other industries, we get rid of people so much and everything is so automatic. Uh, w- what happens? I mean, are we all going to become unemployed? I hope not. I hope people will actually find time to dedicate, you know, their time and resources to more creative things, you know, to things that actually make you smarter and actually are worth investing in. Oh, that's uh, that, that answer makes me feel good for someone who's working in it. <laughs> oh, uh, Anna, thank you so much for your time. You've been a wonderful guest. Uh, feel free to plug yourself. Where can people find you online? And um, and uh, your cha- if you want to kind of give a little plug for your charity as well. And if anyone wants to check out that little indie flick, Star Wars: The Force Awakens, and you could see her in that as well. <laughs> thank you very much. So uh, yes, for everyone who wants to connect and. Ask me further questions either about Star Wars or my work in technology or, you know, the work with uh, Sylvia Young Theatre I'm doing now. Just, you know, um, let's connect on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Anna Maria with one N, L-E-O-N-T-E, Leonte, which is my surname. And then for those who use Instagram, Anna Maria Leonte, but double T. And yeah, that's it. Thank you very much for having me, Chris. And, you know, I wish everyone in uh, Rhode Island, you know, all the best. And who knows, maybe I'm going to see some of you at uh, here in London. And you said you're going to be doing conventions at some point, but would you go overseas, you think, or would you just stay London-based? Overseas, there is. A, I had a, an interview with a podcast from Australia, and they actually said they would be so happy to have me there. Uh, at the supernova but then they are not the ones who um, are organizing the convention so they said they will you know um, get the word out there and see if they can make that happen and um, uh, i'm working now i have a partnership with uh, the um the star wars the the cards um wow and um yeah so i'm giving autographs for new york fans uh for the top cards and 
Um, there will be some events here in London and I will, yeah, for those people who are actually passionate about Star Wars, there will be a short uh, interview about my role uh, for Star Wars as Dasha Promenti in the Star Wars uh, Insider magazine, uh, the print edition, um, at the end of oh, wow. the March issue. Oh, that's so fun. And, uh, yeah, if you're ever at one of those New York Comic Cons, I'm going to keep following you on Twitter. Maybe I'll have to, I'll, if I'm there and you're there, I'll definitely come say hello. Oh, I think, you know what, the thing I envy you guys in the U.S. the most is to be so close to Austin, to the Southwest by Southwest uh, technology, the, the media show. I just really, really love it. I always follow up. I'd love to go to South by South by West. That sounds, oh, man. That yeah, so much fun. yeah it's pretty far <laughs> from where I am, but, but you know, but yeah, yeah. Well, maybe one day. Uh, oh, well, thank mm -hmm. you so much. And um, I don't. Is there a way to exit this? I don't want to ruin any of the recording. No, no, no. I will do it. You can exit. Okay, I will end it, and then I shall send it to you. I will send it to you via uh, Google Drive because it will be too long and too big. Yep. Yeah? Perfect. And uh, yeah, I'm uh, hopefully gonna put this up for Monday or next Monday, but I'll email you the second I know. I just have to look at my schedule. Um, yeah, and thank you again so much. Uh, you were no wonderful, and sorry about all the tech stuff as well. No worries. Thank you.